It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, July 14th, 2021. Happy Bastille Day. I'm Kelly Reese and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. On tonight's California Report. COVID-19 cases continue to spike in Los Angeles County, and the director of the county's health services department says the rise in hospitalizations has come entirely from unvaccinated individuals. We'll take a brief look at local headlines and weather before Felton Pruitt finds out the latest on COVID-19 vaccinations and the Delta variant from Nevada County's public health officer, Dr. Scott Kellerman. We close tonight with a commentary from Chaplain Norris Burks. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. For the fifth straight day, Los Angeles County health officials have reported more than a thousand new daily COVID-19 cases. And the number of people who have been hospitalized because of the virus is also on the rise. Dr. Christina Galley, director of the county's health services department, presented this week's hospitalization information at yesterday's LA Board of Supervisors meeting. We have not had a patient admitted to a DHS hospital who has been fully vaccinated with either the J&J, Pfizer, or Moderna vaccine. Every single patient that we've admitted for COVID has been not yet fully vaccinated. All told, 398 people are in county hospitals due to the coronavirus, with nearly 100 of those patients in intensive care units. Although these numbers have risen sharply in the last few weeks, they're still far short of the more than 8,000 who were hospitalized during the winter surge. The recent spike in COVID cases has been blamed primarily on the highly contagious Delta variant, and it's not only impacting Southern California. Over the past week, Sacramento County had the highest number of cases per capita in the state in counties with at least 100,000 residents. Dr. Olivia Kassiri, public health officer for Sacramento County, spoke at yesterday's Board of supervisors meeting about efforts to go door to door to get more people vaccinated. It is that kind of level of outreach that needs to be done in order for us to be able to get especially to the underserved communities. The infection rate in Sacramento County is more than double the state average. Despite the rise in cases, the COVID-19 death rate in both Los Angeles and Sacramento counties has stayed relatively low, though health officials warn that it usually takes at least two weeks after spiking cases to see an increase in deaths. Let's turn to the environment. You know the state is in the grip of a big drought, but California has yet to require statewide water restrictions similar to those mandated during the last multi-year drought. KQED climate reporter Ezra David Romero explains. 85% of California is experiencing extreme drought conditions. The last time statewide drought restrictions went into place was 2015, and it was the third drought year. Californians are using 16% less water, and that's why the state is only asking for a 15% voluntary water reduction, says Carla Nemeth, director of the California Department of Water Resources. By the end of this year, if we're preparing for another extraordinarily dry year, then we could see California move towards mandatory water reduction. Even though reservoir levels and dry conditions are dangerously low in some areas, on par with a three- or four-year drought, Nemeth says regional restrictions allow for a targeted approach to reduce water waste. From a climate perspective, I would take the 15% seriously. Noah Diffenbaugh is a climate scientist at Stanford. We don't have drought relief on the horizon. We can expect these conditions to intensify before there is relief. 
my fervent hope is that we see some an early onset to the rainy season this year. UCLA climate scientist Daniel Swain says that's hypothetically possible. Maybe the rains will arrive in September or October this year. That would sure be nice. But Swain says that would be contrary to the trend. California is having shorter rainy seasons, more concentrated in the winter. Even with all that California is facing, think heat waves, wildfire risk, and lack of rain. UC Davis water resources expert Jay Lund says requiring areas that don't need to conserve as much right now, like Los Angeles and San Francisco would. Make them less receptive to being told later on when you really need them to conserve a lot of water to do so. But for many people who live in places like the San Joaquin Valley, where wells are going dry, the light water restrictions feels like a gut punch, says Veronica Garibay, co-executive director with the Leadership Council for Justice and Accountability. It's 109 degrees in Fresno today. Imagine having to work outside all day and come home and not being able to shower in your own home. I think it's infuriating and disappointing and sort of feels hopeless. Like, have we not learned our lesson here? Getty Bay's group advocates for communities through the Central Valley and the Coachella Valley, where the drought is making existing inequities worse. Why is the burden on communities and people of color in particular who have the least access to safe water and, and are disproportionately impacted by dry wells and, and access to safe drinking water to begin with, why is it on our backs and on a community's backs to have to always raise the alarm on these issues? With the most vulnerable in mind, Faith Kern says it's time to start thinking of drought as a chronic issue as opposed to an acute idea where we will be saved by rain each year. She's a scientist for the California Institute of Water Resources. I think the set of actions we might take start to look a little bit different, and I don't totally know what those are yet. Maybe those, those voluntary water reductions are permanent. Whether the current reductions become part of our permanent California way of life is still to be determined. But everyone I spoke with recognizes climate change is stressing the way we currently live. They say solutions for future dry times may mean reinventing the way water is managed beyond just what's needed to get the state through this current drought year. For the California Report, I'm Ezra David Romero. Julie Sue, California's Labor Secretary, has been officially confirmed as Deputy Secretary of the U.S. Department of Labor. Yesterday's confirmation, by a 50-47 to 47 vote in the Senate, came after five months of contentious deliberation. Sue has been sharply criticized for the state's handling of unemployment claims by the Employment Development Department. Just before she was nominated, Sue and the EDD announced the state was reviewing up to $31 billion in suspension unemployment claims, and she confirmed the state had already been built out of around $11 billion. Republican lawmakers focused on these losses during Sue's review process, and not one Republican senator voted for her confirmation. In a congratulatory statement, Governor Newsom said Sue had fought for workers' rights in California for nearly three decades. Support for the California Report comes from Blue Shield of California, rebuilding the future of healthcare with every Californian in mind, from quality and equitable care to not-for-profit values. Learn more at news.blueshieldca.com. The law firm Perkins Coie, a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at perkinscoie.com. 
and Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food on the web at theschmidt.org. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, July 14th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. The child tax credit portion of the American Rescue Plan begins its rollout tomorrow. Parents of an estimated 10 million children in California will receive up to $3,600 annually per child. Families earning $150,000 or less will benefit from the credit. The Sacramento Bee reports families can choose to receive advanced monthly payments of the credit or opt out and receive the full tax credit next year. Families that file taxes in 2019 or 2020 will automatically be enrolled, and non-filers may sign up for the economic impact payments. And now for regional weather. The National Weather Service has issued a red flag warning for Northern California from this afternoon to this evening due to strong gusty winds and low humidity. Critical weather and dry conditions can lead to rapid and dramatic increases in wildfire activity. They remind us that a simple spark can cause a major wildfire. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, clear with a low around 61. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 87, practically Arctic conditions. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, clear with a low around 48. Tomorrow will be sunny with a high near 80. And in Sacramento and Woodland, Tonight, clear with a low around 57. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high near 86. Up next, Felton Pruitt speaks to Nevada County's public health officer, Dr. Scott Kellerman. We're talking with Dr. Scott Kellerman. He's Nevada County's public health officer. Thanks for talking with us, Dr. Kellerman. I guess you kind of started this job right in the middle of a pandemic. Well, what a way to start. Thanks, Felton. Yeah, there was no chance to kind of catch my breath. We're in the middle of a major surge. There were a lot of hospitalizations. There were quite a few deaths and immunizations weren't available. And so the result was that the virus was having its way in our county. And a lot of people are scared, and there's a lot of disinformation out there. So KBMR has been a light in the darkness as far as spreading quality information about this virus and how to prevent it and how to treat it. Well, let's get to some of that right now. Uh, Of course, the main concern of everybody at this moment is that we have a new variant on the COVID-19, which is called the Delta variant. People should be worried. You know, I hope that, you know, some of the people are listening are unimmunized because it is a target of the Delta. We had an alpha, the, the original variant had an alpha, and that was the one from the UK, and it was 50% more contagious than the original strain, and this is 50% more contagious than the alpha. You know, it's estimated that if you're in, um, in a room and you're unimmunized and, and masking is variable, there's a good chance you're going to catch the Delta variant. It's not contagious. I caught COVID. I actually caught COVID right after I got my first shot. So I kind of know what it's like to go through it as a 60-year-old male. If somebody got the Delta variant now, say in their mid-30s, how bad would they get sick? The good news is it seems to be no more virulent 
or pathological than even the original strain. So we're not seeing a bump in hospitalizations and, and no increase in the death. So it seems to be the same pathologically as all the other variants. It just tends to be far more contagious. It just means it's easier spread. We got another one that, you know, we'll have another show about it called Lambda that's coming from Peru. It seems to be both equally infectious and equally virulent, you know, so increased hospitalizations. We're not quite sure because Peru has a lot of poverty and with poverty, you have immune suppression and as a result, you're likely to get sicker. But this one, it seems to be no increased hospitalizations or death over the, the original strain, but it's just far more contagious. The good news is that if you're immunized, you're protected. You're protected against all the variants. I've gotten two shots. And if you've gotten your two shots or you're fully vaccinated, then you say we are safe from any of these mutations. Yeah, I mean, safe is a relative term. If you have received two immunizations of all variants except for Delta, you're 91% protected. It means 9% of the people, 9 out of 100, still don't have adequate immunity. However, you're almost guaranteed no hospitalization and no death. 99.2% of all deaths in June from COVID were in unimmunized people. Only 0.8% um, um, was due to people with immunization. So it's rare hospitalization and rare death. Parenthetically, Felton, you said you'd have been infected with COVID. Turns out that if you've been infected with COVID, some of the original strains, it's not very protective against the, the Delta variant. And with one shot of the Pfizer Moderna, you're only 33% protected. With two shots, you're 88%. So I encourage people that have only received one shot, have had previous infection with COVID, you're really not very well protected against this Delta variant. And we saw originally in May 4.7% of residents in California where the Delta variant was, was problematic um, strain. It's 26 at the end of June. It was 26.3%. And we think by the end of July, it'll be the dominant strain, over 50%. It's very, very, very contagious. We're talking with Dr. Scott Kellerman. He's Nevada County's public health officer. I have a question that's important to my family and a lot of families around here. I have a 20-year-old son. He's not vaccinated, and he wants to go back to college in the fall. Is it safe for him to go? Does he have to have a vaccination? 20-year-old, I'm sure he's in good shape. Yeah. You're in good yeah. shape. And yeah, he's not going to die from it. Uh, 20-year-olds traditionally don't die. Uh, we're finding that the Delta is affecting more young people. It's probably because they're uh, unimmunized. If he's going to the UC system, he's got to choose a different university because he's required at all the UC systems, uh, schools, um, immunization. So he probably, he'll survive. He'll probably only be sick for a relatively short period of time. The problem is that 10% of the people that are infected with COVID, regardless of severity, can develop long COVID, where they have brain fog and lethargy and respiratory problems. It's a little hard to study if you got brain fog. So I would not take that chance. And then, you know, immunization and, and wearing masks has been called an act of charity because essentially, if he goes back to school unimmunized and if he happens to get COVID, 
uh, and the Delta variant is around, he's more likely will get COVID. Then he'll pass it on to his immunized friends. You don't want to do that. That's that's not a very nice thing to do to, to pass it on to your friends. So I would say it's an act of charity to be immunized. So if you want to get an immunization, how do you do it? Where do you call? What website do you go to? You can internet uh, my turn. Just M-Y-T-U-R-N, just type that in. You'll be able to register for a variety of immunization sites. And if you've uh, kind of delayed your second dose of an immunization, nah, just don't delay. Go get, go get a poke. And we will immunize anybody after three-week with Pfizer or four-week with Moderna. And Johnson & Johnson only requires one immunization. So we're available. And I would like to say public health is, you know, essentially we've got your back. We're here for you. It's public health. And we would like to see everybody in Nevada County be immunized. That's the only way to really stop this virus. If you have questions about the vaccine, where can you get information about that? Just Nevada County Public Health. Just click on the website. It will show all the vaccination sites. It's a wonderful resource, Uh, Nevada County Public Health. Just type in Nevada County Public and health and the rest will be filled in for you. Last but not least is for folks that are shut in or in any kind of you know more group settings. Uh, we have reach teams. We'll go out and talk to you. We'll immunize um, friends and family, anybody age uh, 12 and older. So if there's any reason, any way at all, that you find that uh, you can't get in uh, to any of these facilities, give a call to public health and we'll send out a team to immunize you. We've been talking with Dr. Scott Kellerman, the Nevada County Public Health Officer. We thank you for all your information and your time, Dr. Kellerman. Thanks, Felton. Keep up the good work and keep uh, passing out the message because unless we work collaboratively on this, we'll never get ahead of it. You can listen to an extended version of this interview on our webpage, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dr. Scott Kellerman holds a medical degree, Master's in Public Health and Master's in Tropical Medicine from Tulane University. He's a senior consultant for the Centers for Research in Emerging Infectious Diseases through the National Institute of Health and UC Davis. How many of you would rather be listening to KVMR than be in the finest Turkish prison? Military and healthcare chaplain Norris Burks closes out tonight's newscast with a commentary on perspective. Some years ago, I was pastoring a church where our music minister, Don Smith, would often greet our congregation with a harmonious, Good morning! Sadly, our sleepy parishioners often failed to reciprocate his enthusiasm. On those occasions, Smith fired a question to resuscitate the elderly congregants. How many of you would rather be here than in the best prison in Turkey? A few hands rose in favor of their current accommodations, but most offered only a groan. As kooky as Smith's choice may be, he was trying to give our parishioners some perspective. And it wasn't until ten years later that I would get a first-hand appreciation of his viewpoint. It was 1998, and I was serving as an Air Force chaplain at the Izmir Air Station in Izmir, Turkey. I answered a call one morning from our Deputy Commander, Lieutenant Colonel Horace J. Phillips. Chaplain, chaplain, he said, how would you like to go to prison today? Pardon me, sir? Phillips laughed his signature, gotcha, laugh. One of our military policemen, he explained, has been detained in the world-famous Buka prison. 
and I need you to accompany the lawyer and myself to the prison to check on the sergeant's welfare. What's the charge, I asked. The Turkish insult law, answered the base lawyer, who was now sharing a speaker phone with Phillips. The law, still in use today, makes it illegal for anyone to say or do something the government deems offensive. If convicted, our airman was facing a one- to three-year prison sentence. Phillips explained that the drunk sergeant insulted the Turks by emptying his bladder on a statue of Mustafa Ataturk, the founder of modern Turkey. Yes, that does sound quite insulting, I agreed. During our one-hour car ride to the prison, the lawyer reminded us that Turkey did not subscribe to the typical get-out-of-jail agreement the U.S. military enjoys with most countries. She informed us that normally low-level offenses by U.S. service members are addressed by American military court. But in this case, she said, unless we can work some magic, our boy is there to stay. Just after noon, we presented identification to the guards, who then passed us through the gates. Hearing Turkish prison doors close behind you isn't an experience for the faint of heart, I'll tell you that right now. The smell suddenly became indescribable. Rats were passing us, going the opposite direction. It seemed that even the rodents were plotting their escape. Soon we found our sergeant pacing his cell, a contrite cop who remembered very little of his escapades. I'm not sure how someone detained in a Turkish prison feels seeing a chaplain enter his cell, but his pale expression suggested that he may have been expecting his last rites. Her lawyer removed her best shot from her briefcase. It was a typed apology. If you apologize, she said, we might get you released with your promise to reappear for trial. By the next day, the Turks welcomed the signed apology and, with a wink to Phillips, allowed our sergeant to board a flight home to the United States. The sergeant's story often lends perspective when I hear folks endlessly complain about restrictions of their personal freedoms, such as taxes or masks or speed limits on an empty stretch of desert highway. If my music leader, Smith, and I were leading worship again today, we'd probably ask those complainers to join us in a Lee Greenwood song, I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free, and I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to me, and I'd gladly stand up next to you and defender still today, because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Then, if I thought I heard anyone else voicing a lack of enthusiasm, I'd ask them the way Smith asked them. How many of you would rather be here today than the finest prison in Turkey? The views expressed on this show are those of the speakers only and are not necessarily those of KVMR, our board, staff, volunteers, or contributors. That's our newscast for tonight, Wednesday, July 14th, 2021. We get support from Milkman Toner Company, providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners. Carrying environmentally safe, 
remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support. Serving Northern California counties, also San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. MilkmanCompany.com And Brookcrest by Culligan Water. Family operated and serving Northern California since 1983. Providing homes and businesses with bottled water delivery service and custom label water for big or small events. More information at brookcrestwater.com. I hope you'll stay tuned. Coming up next at 6.30 is The Sages Among Us. Then at 7, we bring you Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.